If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me again to the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. We're, um, we're covering verses 27 to 52. I'm not reading uh, all of that for you uh, this morning. Our, um, our reading is only verses 43 to 52. But I do want to challenge you as I have... Um, as I did last week and probably will each week, is to read through Mark chapter 14 uh, through 16, so the end of the, the chapter, as we're, um, we're covering these passages leading up to and, and including Easter, talking about the suffering of Christ and what he was willing to endure at the cross. And we have for us um, throughout uh, these Easter messages this reminder of this old rugged cross that Christ was willing to go to and to endure the sufferings for you and for me. Sufferings not for something that he deserved, but something that we deserve. But he was willing to take on the payment for our sins so that we could have life. And so we want to talk some about uh, why Christ was willing to go through these sufferings or uh, what that means for us in 2016 and beyond uh, as this church. So look with me in Mark chapter 14, beginning verse 43. Mark chapter 14, beginning verse 43. It says, Just as he was speaking, this Jesus, just as Jesus was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kissed is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man, wearing nothing but a linen garment, was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Let's just pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, now that you... Speak to our hearts and challenge our lives. Speak through me, Lord, the message that you have for each one. Challenge us, God, with your love and grace. And challenge us, God, to be more like you in the way that we serve, in the way that we love. And God, help us to honor you with all of our lives. And with this time, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we started this series simply called Christ Suffered for You in which, as I say, we'll be using to lead up through Easter, in which we're talking about the, the final days and, and hours of the life of Jesus, the, the suffering that he endured and why, including the reasons for his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and all that that means to us as a church. Last week, if you remember, we talked some about uh, how Jesus teaches us about love and relationships, and he demonstrated grace when he teaches What's important is our relationship with God 
and how that affects our relationship with others. It's not about traditions or church practices or regulations. It's about honoring God and serving others. Today we want to look at the remaining parts of Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 27 to 52. And we'll see some great stories about conversations Jesus had with his disciples uh, after that last Passover meal that he, he had with them about how each of them are going to fall away. They didn't believe him. They thought they'd be strong and steadfast and steady and true serving him. Uh, but each thing came to pass just as Jesus said. We will see how Jesus is betrayed and arrested. And we'll see how through it all Jesus teaches us about strength and integrity. Last week we ended actually as Jesus has just had this Passover meal with, uh, with his disciples. And uh, as was the tradition, he ended that uh, Passover meal with singing a song. Now, this is more than likely not just any song. This is a song with a purpose. I don't think Jesus did anything that didn't have a purpose to him. And he has crowds of people around, and he's sitting with his disciples. He's trying to teach them about what is all about to happen and how it's all for God's glory. And he's talking to them about how he's about to become the Passover lamb, and they have no idea what he's talking about. They just don't seem to get it. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he ends his Passover meal by singing a psalm. Now, uh, this is all speculation. Some, some church historians uh, and theologians have said, well, uh, oftentimes the, the early church tradition was to sing one of the, the psalms, uh, the psalms of, of David. And uh, we look at Psalm 113, which uh, they think may have likely been the song that Jesus sang. So after he's talking to his disciples about how he's about to become the Passover lamb and all that he's about to have to endure, he may have ended by singing this song. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord will be praised. The Lord is exalted over the nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats, he seats them with princes and with princes and their people. He settles, he settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Many of you know that psalm and can quote that psalm. A beautiful psalm of saying God knows what he's doing. And he's a God who just works miracles. He is a God that as we surrender to, he makes the hopeless situations full of hope. And Jesus may have been singing this very song. And then the next words out of his mouth after that is, you are all about to fall away. You're all about to turn away from me. You talk about how you're going to faithfully serve me, but a time is coming which Scripture may be, must be fulfilled, and these sort of terrible sufferings and terrible things are about to take place. And we'll see, beginning of verse 27, Jesus starts talking about how even the most committed followers of him at times will fall away. He begins in verse 27, as I said, by saying, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And they start stepping up. Peter starts stepping up and saying, Not me. I'm going to stand by you no matter what. 
Jesus says, oh, Peter, before the rooster cries two times, you will have denied me, denied that you even know me. The three times you will have denied me, denied that you even know me. And Peter said, no, not me. I will stand with you for all my life. And all the other disciples said the same thing. They were committed with their words, but we'll see that uh, their lives at times painted a different picture. They wanted to follow Jesus, but when the soldiers came to, uh, the guards came to arrest Jesus, they all fled away. They wanted to stay faithful to Jesus and be there with him. They wanted to learn from him and, and be like him. And yet, their faithfulness didn't match up with uh, that intention. We'll see in verses uh, 32 to 42, great story when Jesus goes and he, he starts praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, this is probably a garden that, that Jesus came to at different times with the disciples and he prayed to God and he talked with them about uh, how they're to live. And we see uh, Peter, James, and John that come with uh, Jesus to the garden. And he says, now you just wait here. And he walks a little further in the garden and he sits and prays. He said, you wait here and just watch and pray. And he goes in a little bit further in the garden and he prays. And he's got this great prayer in which he's saying, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass for me or this hour can pass for me, then let's go that way. But God, let your will be done, not mine. And he comes out and he finds his disciples. What are they doing? He told them, watch and pray. Does anyone know what they're doing? They're sleeping. Real faithful, huh? They're really standing by his side. They're not, no, Jesus, we're not going to fall away. We will stand by you no matter what. So he says, all right, watch here. Stay here and watch and pray. He goes and prays for a bit. He comes back in their sleep. But you see, in, in these few verses, in these ten verses, we'll see, this didn't happen one time. This happened three times. He comes back out. He, prays, he goes in prays again. Comes back out. He says, are you guys asleep again? I want to say that sometimes when I'm preaching. I say, you fell asleep again. Come on. <laughs> What's going on? I had a guy tell me a few years ago uh, when I was preaching at uh, a church, he said, look, if I fall asleep, it's nothing personal. And I said, well, I gave up on that a long time ago. You fall asleep every single week. Yeah? And his wife's nudging him stuff, and finally she just lets him go. Yeah? And, um, you know, but these disciples, they said, no, God, we're going to be with you. Jesus, we're going to stand by you. And then three times he comes out after praying his, his heart out, saying, God, I want to surrender to you. I'm willing to follow your way, even though that's going to be tough. I know what's going to come. I know what suffering I'm going to have to endure. And I'm willing to do that if that's what it takes. And he's praying and praying earnestly about what God is expecting him to do and the suffering that he's about to have to endure. And where are his best mates? Where are his best friends? They're sleeping three times in a row. He comes out and he fall, sees them falling asleep. The disciples never seemed to understand what Jesus was about. Even when he looks and he says, look, the one who's going to betray me is coming. And Judas walks up to him. One of his 12 disciples, Judas, one of his mates, the ones he's ministered with and, and loved and cared for for the past several years, has come up to betray him. And has already worked out with his guards to show them who to arrest by just simply giving him a kiss. And he walks up to Jesus 
And he says, Rabbi, and gives him a kiss. Now, even that word Rabbi, you go, okay, well, he called him Rabbi. That's great. But Rabbi was the teacher, the respected one. And he walks up to him, and in one instance says, you're my friend, you're the one who I respect, you're the one I've, taught, I've learned from for these years. And in the next instant, he betrays him with a kiss. It would have cut to, to Jesus' heart. Imagine someone who says, yep, you are someone I love, you are someone I respect, you're someone I've followed. And then they, they stab you in the back. That's kind of what Jesus, Judas has done here to Jesus. And one of his disciples, another gospel says it was Peter, who picks up his sword, uh, picks up one of the swords and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. He strikes at him and he cuts off this ear. And Jesus, Jesus didn't, you, you think, all right, once that first sword is, is gone, we're going to see some action. Right? You think, all right, this is where it's going to take place. We're going to have a big brawl here and Jesus is going to throw the, a blow and, and others are going to get into it. But no, Jesus reaches down and he picks up the ear and he places it back on the soldier and he heals him. A soldier who's coming to arrest him, Jesus shows mercy to him and Jesus, arrest, uh, Jesus heals him. And then Jesus simply says, am I leading some sort of rebellion here that you've had to come to me with all these guards and swords and clubs? I'm with you every single day, teaching in the, in the temple courts, you don't arrest me there. And he said, all this is happening, not because I've done anything, but so that Scripture will be fulfilled. Jesus, is, Jesus showed strength after strength after strength. He showed integrity and in, in being consistent with what God wanted him to do. Even in the midst of betrayal and heartache and arrest and all these things. And his disciples, his followers, they couldn't get out there quick enough. It says when the guards came, when all this happened, all those who said they were going to be faithful to him, all those who said they would stand by him, they were gone. One of them fled naked. He couldn't get out of there quick enough. One of the followers of Jesus dropped whatever cloak he was in when he saw these soldiers coming, and he fled naked. Now, why is that important for us today? Because when I was preaching in Kentucky, I remember this man came up to me and uh, I was going to say he's one of the biggest rednecks in Kentucky, but they're all rednecks in Kentucky. So, um, but he, he came up to me and he said, Preacher, that's what they always call him. Oh, Preacher, Preacher Jones, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if I lived in Jesus' day, boy, I'd trust him. If I lived in Jesus' day, boy, I'd be there. I wouldn't run like these fellers did. I'd stick by him. Well, my, my question, or my statement, I think, is that's wonderful, that's great. But my question with that is, well, how about in our day? How about in 2016? How about in our day now? Are you trusting Jesus with our life? It's all well and good to say, well, I would stay by him. His disciples would have thought the same thing. But at times they fell away. And Jesus said to them, you're all going to fall away, and that's what happened. Many times where our intention is to, to show our love for God, and we... We slip up and we fall where God is forever faithful and strong. When I was in high school, there was a great man named Keith Decker. He led a ministry, or he started up a ministry called Cedar Ridge Ministries uh, there in Kentucky. He's actually still director of the, the ministries. It's one of those ministries that you'd, you can just kind of think of anything Christian that should be done, and this ministry is starting to do it. They, 
um, they built a well for a lady who had no running water, a little uh, lady living by herself. Uh, they repaired a, a home for this lady who was, she had no electricity and no running water, and for years she was 92 years old and was living in her, her chicken coop um, with the chickens because her home was in such disrepair. And they went and they repaired the home and, and made everything wonderful, got electricity for her and running water and all these things. Then they started up an op shop, which ended up ministering to, to thousands of people in the area. And they started, that wasn't enough, so they, they realized there were a lot of hungry people in the area, and there were a lot of farmers who, uh, when, when the machines went through and grabbed the crops, there were a lot of crops that just wasted. And so he organized for uh, big truckloads of, of veggies to get dropped off there at Cedar Ridge, and he would just, uh, people would just drive by and they would see tons and tons of sweet potatoes. There'd be truckloads that would just come and just dump them in the parking lot. And by the end of the day, all those sweet potatoes were gone, uh, or those potatoes or whatever they could get dumped there, um, as people were, were hungry and they would, would feed them. And I remember when I'm sitting in Keith's office, and I was just a teenager, starting, and I volunteered a lot with him, and um, he got all these ministries going. I'm thinking, oh, this is a man who just is so faithful to God. He is God's servant, and he, he's always faithful to God. And he's got this painting in his office of Jesus' face. Now, it's probably not what he really looked like, but you look at it and you think, okay, he looks at Jesus every day when he's sitting at his desk, and he looks over this painting and he says, he says to me, you know what, Mike, I have failed him many, many times through the years, but I've never stopped loving him. And that little statement has always stuck with me. To say, oh, one, I was thinking, well, if he's failed him over and over again, what hope is there for me? Uh, this man seems to be doing everything and caring for everyone and serving God so faithfully. But he said, I've slipped up so many times, but I've never stopped loving him, and I've never stopped wanting to be like him. We, we talk big when we're in the church, about how much we love God and how much we want to serve God. When Jesus' disciples were with him, they're going, we're going to be faithful to you no matter what. But at times they, they slipped up. At times they failed. And when things get scary, then we have to ask, will we trust him? Do we trust him? Have we trusted him? Jesus here demonstrates for us how to remain faithful and strong even when it seems like things are falling apart. To trust in God's plans, not, not just our own. And Christ, through this passage, starts demonstrating to us that even on the, the toughest of roads, although we so often fall away, even on the toughest of roads, Christ prevails. He speaks with grace to those who are deny, about to deny him. He talks with his disciples, those who he loves, and they're saying, oh, we're going to be faithful and we're going to be strong and we're going to stand for you. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, before the rooster cries a couple times, you will have denied me three times, denied to even know me. He speaks with grace, he speaks with love, and he keeps trying to teach them and lead them. Now, if you know that people are doing the wrong thing, it's hard to always be loving with them, isn't it? If you, if you know they're going to not be faithful to you, it's hard to be faithful to them. It's hard to... Church, I don't know about you, but I find it's hard sometimes to be nice to a troublemaker. It's hard to be nice to someone that you know uh, is about to, uh, to do the wrong things or to, to do things that are leading against the way that God is wanting you to go. Pastors and leaders, I'd say, you, it's hard sometimes to be nice to troublemakers, isn't it? 
It's hard sometimes to be gracious to those who are, are working against you. But Jesus here sets the standard and says, no, we need to be gracious and we need to be loving even to those who don't, aren't following God's way or who aren't being faithful to God's way, who don't understand God's way. We need to be gracious. We need to continue to show integrity and strength. Jesus prays in this garden, this beautiful plan. In verse uh, 36, he's talking about uh, his submission to God. He says, Abba, Father, which is Daddy, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, when he says, take this cup from me, or take this, this hour from me, as some has translated, he may have simply meant, take this whole situation of the crucifixion away from me. It is possible with you. He may have simply meant, take this next hour away, which is going to be his betrayal from Judas and, and the start of his, his arrest and uh, his imprisonment and then his crucifixion. His days of suffering that were ahead. Whatever that is, Christ looked ahead and he saw all the suffering and all the pain that he's about to have to endure. And he said, God, you are able to do anything. You could bring salvation to people without me having to go through all this, but I will surrender to your will. And I, I say to that, it's easy to follow God's will when it mirrors up to our will, doesn't it? It's easy to follow God's plan when it equals our plan. But when he asks us to go the challenging road, when he asks us to walk through the stuff that we don't understand, and we even wonder, God, are you even in this? It's hard sometimes to submit to God's will. And Jesus gives us this example of such strength and integrity in that he's not just going to talk the talk, he's going to walk the walk. And when the rubber hits the road and when he's got the, the cross uh, ahead and he knows all that he's going to have to endure to bring about our salvation, to bring about a grace to us, he says, God, I'm willing to go with whatever you plan. And he keeps on loving people. He keeps on leading. Even the sleepy disciples that he keeps coming out and falls them asleep, finds them asleep, he just keeps waking them up, trying to teach them what God is doing, trying to lead them in the right way. He didn't fight against the soldiers that came. He healed them. He didn't speak with hostility. He spoke with grace. Jesus shows us about strength and integrity throughout all the days of his life, but especially, I think, in these last few days and last few hours. He challenges us as a church to be more like him. When his disciple cuts off the ear of the soldier, Jesus picks it up and heals him. He embraces Judas who comes to betray him. Not ignorantly, but Jesus knew if he's going to submit to God's will, if the prayer that he prays in the garden was, was true and he meant the words that says, I'm going to submit to you, he knows what God has planned. He knows the scripture. He knows God's plan because he's with God from the beginning. He is God. He knows what need is needed and he knows the scriptures that need to be fulfilled. And he says, God, I want to follow your way. And yet he's willing to submit to it all. He submits to see the scripture fulfilled. He submits to see God's will be done. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 is quoted here in, in Mark, which says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, 
declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Isn't it amazing how hundreds of years before this event in Jesus' life, God predicts how it's all going to take place. Even the point that he says to the prophet uh, Amos, Amos in, in chapter 2 verse 16 says, Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on the day, declares the Lord. And so I don't know which verse Jesus is talking about when he says the scripture must be fulfilled, but he's saying, I know what's going to happen, and it's all taking place, just as you laid out. Those say that they're going to they're follow me, they say that they'll stick with me, but even the bravest is going to flee naked on the day. But Jesus says, I must endure the suffering, I must endure the abandonment, I must endure the cross to bring about the salvation for, for those who choose to follow me. Jesus begins this immense time of suffering, the betrayal, the arrest, to honor God and to teach us about strength and integrity so that we too can seek to honor God in, in these tough times and on the, the difficult roads that God asks us to endure. So we can learn as His church to be more like Him, to not follow in the standards of the world, to not just hit the road running when the difficulty comes and when the, the danger comes and when the tough times come, but to not just say that we love God and we want to submit to God and we want to follow God faithfully, but to live it out, even in the toughest of times. As Jesus shows us how to have such immense strength and integrity in times of incredible suffering, incredible denial and betrayal, his arrest and all that he knows is coming, he stands strong and he honors God. I want to challenge us as a church, as we think about the old rugged cross and all that Jesus did and, and suffered to, on that, and as we look in uh, these next few messages about his, his arrest and uh, the, the persecution, the, the beatings that he endured, as we look at the, the crucifixion and all the physical pain that he endured, we look at the emotional thing as, as he bore the sins of all mankind to pay the price for our sins through his death and his burial and eventually his resurrection, how God, Jesus submitted to God in every way and he showed such strength such character. And now God challenges us as a church to trust Him, to submit to Him, and to see His will be done. God has a plan for us as a church. God has a plan for, for you in your life, in your marriage, and in, with your family, in your workplace, and in this community. He wants us to serve alongside one another and to do so in a way which is pleasing to Him. And to do that... We have to move beyond just saying that we love God and saying that we want to follow Him, but following Him not just when it's easy, but when it gets tough. To surrender to Him in all times. To praise Him in all times. Jesus here, knowing what He's about to endure, sings a song of praise of how great God is. We have so much to learn from the sufferings of Jesus. We have so much that we can be challenged with as a church by the things that Jesus was willing to endure, the things that he was trying to teach us as this church. I want to challenge you, read through chapters 14 to 16, and read through them every week if you can, up until uh, the end of Easter as we're 
working through these together. So a challenge to be more like Jesus as we see why he's willing to endure the suffering for you and for me. Let's just pray. To Heavenly God, I just thank you and I praise you for the cross and, and, and the suffering and the betrayal and all that you were willing to endure for me, for us, for any who will choose to believe in you. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't want to go down the road, but you were willing to endure it all to bring about our salvation. Because you're a God of grace and of love who know us completely and yet you love us completely and you're willing to go through all of that so that we could have grace, so that we could have life, so we could have hope, eternal life with you. Thank you, Lord, for the suffering you're willing to endure and for the way that through it all you teach us about your strength and, and integrity and how to live such lives of grace and mercy in our everyday lives as we endure the challenges that you set before us, trusting you, submitting to you, and standing for you as you faithfully bless and serve and teach us and lead us as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.